Podcast listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the Lead Up Podcast. On this episode number four, I have my good friend, the hilarious Caleb Tate, who is a young leader in the community and wants to leave a mark on Sacramento. Get ready to laugh and learn on this one. Hope you enjoy it. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Good. What's yeah. up? Not much, man. This is uh, it's been a journey, uh, so far. <laughs> but it's good. It's, this is fun, man. I'm glad that we. I mean, even though it's the third time, that hopefully there's some things that you've been learning since the first and second time that we've done it. No, the answers <laughs> are going to change again, right? So no, yeah, that's good. So let me just start off, man. Um, could you share a little bit about who you are, where your uh, little background, where you come from? Who is Caleb Tate? Oh man, uh, Caleb Tate. I'm a uh, 32 years old. I'm from born in Sacramento. Um, lived in Virginia for a little bit. Wait, Came... you were born in Sac? I was born in Sacramento. Yeah. I you were born in San Jose? No, heck no. <laughs> I went out there for college. No, never. Um, I was born in Sacramento. Lived in Virginia for 10 years. Came back out here in the eighth grade. Um, went to Cordova High School Rancho. ARC, mm-hmm. um, and then went to San Jose State after that. I was in San Jose for like seven years, so I, w- I wasn't born out there, though. Gotcha. It's cool out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what was Caleb Tate <laughs> growing up? Compared, I mean, I know we've talked a lot. I mean, you, you have a lot of stories and experiences, but I want to hear a little bit more about kind of like your journey and your background, because a lot of the things, especially when it, I know you sh- you're... I'm going to ask about it, but um, whatever you're willing to share about your family and stuff like that um, had a lot to do with the kind of your upbringing and kind of like your even how you viewed life, but that's not so much how it is today. So could you share about kind of who was younger Caleb Tate? Man, how young? Man, let's let's start off with uh, youth Caleb and then moving towards like San Jose State Caleb. Youth is like teenager? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh, man, uh, man, I was rebellious. Uh, <laughs> you? Rebellious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think like 13, I got my first job. I remember asking mom for like 20 bucks, and she said no, and I got a job the next day delivering newspapers. And so mm. I was like, my mindset was like, ain't nobody going to help me, ain't nobody going to do it for me, so I just got to do everything myself. And so, I mean, obviously I was playing sports, hanging out with people. Um, pretty much just love sports, playing football, basketball, ran track my senior year of high school, but I just, I just was out having fun. Like I didn't really feel, I didn't really have like a home with my family. Um, so I was like looking for friends, looking to the streets, stuff like that. But then, um, I just kept, it kept me active though. It kept me like in school, kept me playing football. Um, and it got me where I'm at now. But I mean, as far as like that age group, um, teenage years, it was like a blur. Like mm-hmm. it was, the, it was, I was doing so much, hanging out with people, having fun, playing sports, going to school. Like I really didn't care about school, even though I was a good student. Like yeah. I was like an A student who turned in C work, mm-hmm. and so like mm-hmm. it was like I could skate by. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, never even planned on going to college. And then I was just like, if I can still play football in college, I'll keep going. And mm-hmm. so uh, I played football at ARC. Then I walked on to San Jose State, and then I was just like, since I'm here, I might as well graduate. <laughs> so. I ended up being the first person in my family to ever graduate from four-year college. Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal to me, even though I got kicked out of school for a year and a half and then came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only because of grades. I didn't do nothing wrong. Oh, well, okay. obviously grades were wrong, but I had a 1.9, two semesters in a row, and so they kicked me out. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'm not going to be in school anymore. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple, and I only had like six classes to go. So yeah. it was like, Caleb, why would you not go back and right, finish, finish it? Up. So yeah, man. So after that, I finished school and then I graduated and moved right back to SAC. Mm-hmm. And how's it been since, I mean... Seven years, 
San Jose college life, then post college. What was that like? Because by that time you were how old? I left Sacramento when I was twenty. Okay. So I came back when I was twenty-seven. So oh, okay. Um, well, right before my twenty-eighth birthday. But yeah, man, San Jose turned me into a man. Like I didn't. I lived with my mom until I was twenty. So I didn't really like. You don't really know who you are until you're mm-hmm. in your own environment. So. I moved to San Jose, and I realized that like life is real. And I realized mm-hmm. how prepared I was for some things and unprepared for a lot of other things. Right. So it was a it was a rude awakening, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it was also like I was quick on my feet. So I'm like, let me find out who has it together. Let me hang out with them and let me find out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I got a, I have a lot of friends. Like San Jose is my second home. I, I'm not from there, but I can have I can go there at any point in time and have somewhere to stay. Go to yeah. any point in time and meet up with somebody for dinner, for lunch, and then just like people who just were a big part of my life and vice versa at that time of my life. So, yeah, I mean, came back here and then like started learn, kept learning, kept applying, and then kept growing and maturing into a more of a man. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do now to intentionally still like learn and develop as a man? Man, I, I think the biggest thing is just uh, humility, just not acting like I know it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest things is like I, I've done more reading since I stopped going to school since I when I was ever I never read when I was in school like I never read one book I used to not buy books mm-hmm. you know what I mean I'll just I'll go to that one website uh, ratemyprofessor.com mm-hmm. and whatever review said no book straight off the test straight <laughs> off the notes I had to go teachers every single time because I'm a great <laughs> note taker right. um, but then I got out of school and I just started reading books like self help uh, financial books like character books biblical like books based around the bible about different characteristics and i just started reading them over and over and over and so like it was like wow reading's actually super fun when it's not forced on you mm. so um i read i'm like I, I i stay informed about like a lot of different things like i don't open my mouth if i haven't done any research on something mm-hmm. so i don't look like a fool even though some places i have looked <laughs> like a fool before but yeah. uh yeah, man, I just read. I just yeah. like always keep my ears open. I always like value truth. That way, you can keep you can measure up everything else compared to that. Mm-hmm. Not you look at something like, well, that fits my agenda. It's like, no, what's the truth? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like you can make a decision based off of that. Right. And now that you bring that up about truth, because I know, I mean, for me and other people that know you, uh, you're always the one that keeps it real, all the way real. You know, as you like to say, you like to stir the pot. Um, <laughs> And you recently, I think it was a few months ago, that you did a 60-day challenge, mm-hmm. right, for videos. Uh, tell me about that process. What what made you initially start that, and what did you learn from that? Actually, let's start there. What was the reasoning for you doing that? Oh, man, I was sitting down with one of my good friends who's a, who's just like a, you tell him a dream, he's going to give you like a, uh, he's going to push you off a cliff so you can build the plane on the way down. He's going to tell you 20 ways to do it. Because he's done it before. And so he, we were sitting down talking, and he was just like, you need to start doing that. And I was like, I don't have anything to do it. And he said, you have a phone? I was like, yeah. He was like, we'll start tonight. I was like, mm, okay. And so like it was more so doing something that I always wanted to do, but I just never had like the unction to just start. Mm-hmm. And so it was more, like I said, it's one of those things where it's like, just like you and this podcast, it's just like, let me just start. Mm-hmm. I don't need a studio. I don't need, I just need a microphone right. and an app. You know what I mean? So it, it was like that. And so when I did it, um, you asked what I learned. It was just like, one, how um, how to structure something for 60 days straight, how to make sure you're coming up with constant content, but also that people actually liked hearing it, the way I formatted it. Everyone, I think everyone has something to say, and everyone has a has a place where people like hearing what they have to say, and I just found that people liked hearing what I had to say as far as uh, how I broke down biblical truths and made it relevant towards today, and topics that were controversial, topics that might have been taboo, topics that might have somebody might have been on the fence about. Right. And I'm just like, this is what the word says. This is what 
You know what I mean? God says about it. Not saying it's like a, a, a black and white law kind of thing, but it's like let's let's mm-hmm. just narrow down what people the myths people put around this, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Would you say for any of the the videos that you did or topics that you brought up, like looking back or maybe once you finish, you're like, man, was I right on that? Or you question some of the things you said, or are you more of like it's already out and I'm not looking back or does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Like, I, I'm very careful with what I say, but it was also some stuff where it was like, I wish I would have practiced saying that before I got on camera. Got it. Okay. It wasn't that I said something wrong. It was like, if I had said it smoothly the first mm. time, it would have been that much more impactful. Yeah. Because like I said, I'm not just going to, I wasn't saying so just to say it. So mm-hmm. it was like, everything I said, it wasn't just my opinion. It was like, I had facts, I had articles, I had biblical mm-hmm. scriptures. It was like, this is well-studied stuff. Yeah. And so like, but it was just more so like, I would read something, I wouldn't write any notes, and I would just say it, and I would say it off memory, and I might mess it up. Mm. So I was like, dang it, Caleb, like, <laughs> I wish you would have just wrote that one little phrase down. But it happened, like, a couple times, so it wasn't like, but it was more so like, it wasn't like, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. It was always like, no, I, I meant mm. what I said. Yeah. I wish I would have said it smoothly the first time, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, recently, I was um, with Kendi. And a friend, a, a coworker of hers, and we were just talking, and she brought up, uh, I forget, we were just talking about leadership stuff, right? I mentioned the, about the podcast, and um, she asked me a question, and uh, I forget at the moment, but then she brought up, oh, she said, what is what is uh, one of the misconceptions, of, what, are the, what is one of the biggest misconceptions you think is about leadership, right? And I was like, oh, wait, that's a great question. And then she responded saying, I thought you were going to say that leadership is for everyone, because she doesn't believe that. I want I want to hear your thoughts on whether you think that is true or not. Do you think any, anybody can be a leader? Yes, but I think that we have to widen the view of what a leader is. Like, if you're a father, you're a leader. If you're um, a big brother or older sibling, you're a leader. Like, everyone's a leader, just different capacities. Mm-hmm. So I think if we put leaders in a box and say leaders are only people who run a company, of course everyone's not a leader. If leader's only the captain of the sports team, of course everyone's not a leader. But if you're just telling me, I have my own apartment. I'm the leader of this apartment. You know what I mean? Like, I just have to know my capacity to lead. I think John Maxwell calls it leadership ceiling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't sit up and be like, I can run the country because I can have my apartment and pay my bills on time. It's like, no, I have to show in increments that I can actually handle more. So I do believe everybody's a leader. I don't think that everyone can lead in the same capacity at all, Mm -hmm. but I think everybody can lead with what's in front of them to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think, in your opinion, are some of the characteristics that um maybe all leaders or most leaders should have when you when you look to a leader you hope at least maybe an ideal ideal leader that um what comes to mind um i think i said this last time but we obviously we've lost it but uh (laughs) (laughs) a visionary yeah i i I mean as a bit i'm a business major so like i I just know the number most companies spend all their money on innovation because Mm -hmm. if you think about it Companies like Blockbuster and Radio Shack didn't. Companies like Dell didn't. Mm-hmm. And so where are they at now? You know what I mean? Like, you can't think that when you're at the top, that's all there is to it. It's like, no, there's a company coming for you that's going to be like, you know what? Forget about CDs. Let's get iPods. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's forget about uh, cord phones. Let's get cordless phones. You know what I mean? Let's forget about buttons. Let's get touch, let's get touch screens. You know what I mean? Like, when touch screens first came out, I hated it. I was like, man, it's so stupid. And now it's like, I would never want to press a button on the phone again. <laughs> so it's kind of like... yeah. If you don't have any vision, and the Bible says that without vision, the people perish. It's like, if you're following somebody with no vision, where are they leading you? Because mm-hmm. some people want to, some people have, are managers of companies, 
And they don't even buy into the company's vision. They just buy into the position that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's like the company's not going anywhere, and it's probably because of you. You know what I mean? So I think vision is one thing, integrity, doing it first, uh, compassion, because you don't, most people, most jobs are like fear-based environments. And it's like people don't work well under fear. Mm-hmm. They're either going to become rebellious towards you or they're going to leave. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a picture going on that says, uh, I forgot what it is. It says something like workers don't leave jobs, they leave toxic environments. Right, I saw that. And yeah. it's like how many toxic environments are out there? A whole bunch. And people right. only stand because of the job. Like it's, I think it was a stat a couple of years ago. It said 80% of people leave jobs because of the, the managers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the only reason why they want to stay is because of the employees, people who are with them. And, but it's like, mm. you'll see a manager, I was thinking about this the other day, you'll have a manager you don't like. Right. You might leave a job and see them out one night and y'all having a great time. It's like, when you're not in a position of leadership, you're actually a cool person. Because when mm. you're in that position, your insecurities are showing like crazy. Yeah. And you need everyone to fear you or reverence you or, or you know what I mean? And, and stuff like that. But it's like, when you're when you're, when you're you're somewhere where you're not in control, mm. you're, you're perfectly fine. Yeah. And I tell people that all the time. It's like, how's that person when they're not in control? Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, they're actually pretty cool. I'm like, okay, then we didn't <laughs> take them out of control. <laughs> Period. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like, like I said, your character shouldn't change when you're not when you're not a leader or when you are a leader. But um, I think the, one of the other biggest thing is being a great follower. I feel like if you're, however you follow is how you're going to, mm-hmm. what, whatever kind of follower you are is the kind of followers you're going to attract. So if you're yeah. gossiping, showing up late, being disrespectful, those right. going to be the same people you get. Because mm-hmm. you can only produce what you plant. So, mm-hmm. right. yeah. How would you describe your leadership style or some of your strengths that you possess as a, as a young leader? Man, it's it's changed so much over the uh, course of the years. Um, oh, I think the biggest thing is just now is just trying to get some is trying to get people who are better than me mm. or make or train people to be better than me. Because it's like if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the you know what I mean the best mm-hmm. person on your team, it's like what are you right? Is if somebody says success? I saw a picture yesterday. That says success that can't be passed down is failure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like. We are trying to. Most people as humanity, we want to. We want to be remembered. We want to make a big name, and yeah. it's like, that's great. But are you going to pass it down to anybody? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So I think the biggest thing for me is being a do-it-first leader, having vision, picking strategically people who I bring along to what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and um, because everyone's going to want to follow whatever's hot. But it's like it's up to you to, as a leader, to be like have that filter. Like, hey, we appreciate it. Maybe not right now. And they might go back to the, to the drawing board and be like, what, what did I give off wrong? What's going on? They might, you know what I mean, switch up and be like, you know what, I actually want to serve that. Because mm-hmm. I think, like I said, service is like the biggest thing possible. So yeah. like even when you're a leader, you got to be a servant. So, um, yeah, man, just focusing on, like I said, focusing on vision, working hard, making it be, if whatever you're doing, be a great trainer so you can duplicate it. Mm-hmm. That way you don't have to be there all the time. And, uh, man, have fun. Yeah. You're someone that... Um... I see has like a lot of influence just because of uh, one because you're a communicator right you're really good at uh, having those conversations with people even people you just meet I think um, but I say that more even with um, I know recently too you started volunteering or I think you have been volunteering at the uh, juvenile hall mm-hmm. right yeah. and and hearing those stories and experiences of you just coming into a place and, and the guys are just like hey when, when are you coming back right yeah. and, and so talk to me about that and how did how did you get into that and what's kind of like been the response from those visits and opportunities man um 
I got into that. One of my good friends is that senior chaplain there, and she was trying to get me there for a couple years, and I was just, like, giving her the cold shoulder. And then, like, she had, like, a, a prayer meeting at her house one night, and it was super dope. And she caught me at a tender moment. <laughs> it was like, when are you going to come by? And I was like, I'll be there in a couple weeks. And so, like, from there, she that was before she got hired as a senior chaplain. So when she got hired, um, she was like, hey, I want to bring on some volunteers who are, like, cut from the same cloth as me. Would you want to do it? And I like prayed about it, like right then and there. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Nice. And so, um, yeah, man, I started going in there, and then it's just funny because like these kids are this place is literally in Rancho, it's the Rosemont Rancho border. Mm-hmm. So like I know this area, I know like where they're coming from, like being like young black kids and Mexican minorities. There's some white kids in there too, like just young kids who just who feel like they got to do it on their own, mm-hmm. who feel like they got to no one's gonna look out for them, who feel like they got to grow up too early, which some of them have, and so like. I'll go in there and I just keep it real with them. I'm like, a lot of times I understand like some people in there just read the Bible line for line. I just talk to them. Like every time the first question is like, hey, how many of y'all don't believe in God? How many of y'all don't believe oh, in really? the devil? Just straight from, straight the, from the front. Yeah, yeah. And then people raise their hands. Okay, cool. How many of you guys don't believe in the devil? They raise their hand. Okay, great. Uh, now I got a, a, a grid for where you're at. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and I'll be like, every time I'll be like, check it out. Whether you believe in God or not, this work, this book applies to your life. And I'll, and I'll explain real life things in it. Like reaping what you sow or right. like how the proverb talks about not being around an angry person and stuff like that. And then the kids start like being like, what the heck that says it in there? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Then I start getting to Jesus, start getting to salvation and start going from there. So it's like, mostly it's just like fire, fire pit talks. You know what I mean? Right. Where I'm just sitting down talking to them, not trying to teach them anything. I'm just yeah. asking them questions to see where they're at. And then it's like, Hey guys, like look where you're at. I'm going to leave here in half an hour. You guys can't leave until they tell you to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let's start thinking about our actions more. And when you start getting the, and then when you start thinking more like that, mm-hmm. then you'll start actually knowing how to have a healthier lifestyle. And then like, so like, um, last week, um, the chaplain, her name is Tara. Um, she texted me and she was like, man, I just went to unit two and like all the guards love you, all this mm-hmm. and unit two is the maximum security in there too. Oh, That's wow. funny. So like, uh, all this, she's like, all the kids in there, they love you. The guards love you. I went in there on Thursday and there was nobody in the room. I said, okay, somebody, I guess they thought somebody canceled it. Hmm. So I showed up right on time. I'm like, hey, where's everybody at? They're like, oh, we're going to send out the call right now. And like the whole unit came out. <laughs> Usually it's only been like maybe five, six dudes. And it was like 12 dudes there. Wow. They were all like, bros, here we going yeah. out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was super cool to have that. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, like I said, it's just, it's just like I said, being real with them. It's like mm-hmm. sitting down where they're at, talking to them, looking them in their eyes. It's not trying to talk at them because mm-hmm. they get that all the time anyway. So it's like, hey, man. I'm going to love you guys like Jesus loves people. Yeah. yeah. What are you learning from that? Like, I mean, I can imagine, you know, just hearing, seeing, you know, being in a place like that. Um, and, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you the one of the first times that you went or recently, where I was like, bro, you, you're encouraging me to like want to go check it out because mm. it's like, you know, I work not necessarily with the same population, but, you know, somewhat similar demographics, right? Yeah. And, and that's kind of... Um, the more I think about, it, I'm like, why am I not reaching out to to these guys, right? Like people that want to just keep it real or just kind of encourage them. Mm. So, w- what have you learned, man? What have I learned? I learned that, like, I just learned not to hold back. Like the world doesn't hold back. Like kids mm-hmm. learn, kids watching porn at six, seven years old, doing all this, getting exposed to so much. The world is trying to trying to distort their views with. It's like, why are we holding back with the gospel? Why are we holding back with the word? Like. Like, the kid was asking me the other day, he was just like, what would you do if somebody came here and started calling you the B-word? I'm like, you can say whatever you want to me as long as you don't touch me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. 
He said, you're going to have to prove it one day, though. <laughs> and then the dude, mm. was, one of the kids was like, what if I just got up right now and walked the ball? And I was like, I'll meet, I'll get, I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, like, all the kids just started cracking up yeah. laughing. Yeah. They're like, oh, this dude's talking. He's like, he's a believer, but, like, he ain't no, like, I'm like, I'm not no punk. But right. I was like, guys, I'm like, thinking like the way you're thinking is, how, is what got you in here. Mm-hmm. I don't think like that anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, and I tell them all the time, the older you are, the less patience the world has with you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? A little kid with sass is like, oh, got to talking back at three and four. You do that 13, 14, they're going to counselors and pastors for you. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm, I'm very big on telling them like, hey, what you, where you guys are living at right now, what space you're in is not going to be forever. You're going to be out of here one day. Mm-hmm. What you going to do when you get out of here? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I'm just like giving them the large picture. So I, f- I feel like um, what I've learned so much is like what I've learned since being there is just like connecting with them. Like mm-hmm. everyone just needs someone to relate to them. Right. And so when you feel like you can relate to somebody, you're going to be like an open book. Mm-hmm. So um, I, just, I just I just value it heck of much. Yeah, that's dope. What do you hope to do? I mean, I know you're going to still keep doing like videos and stuff like that. But when it comes to like speaking and um, doing stuff like that, like what are you hoping to do like future wise, maybe goals or things that you're trying to um, get more involved with? Oh, man, I got I got some plans to open up a business um, within the next, like, year to year and a half and then, like, do some other ventures that I'll talk to you about off okay. the record. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I want to, like I said, I, wanna, I have some non-profit um, ideas. I got some business, for-profit ideas. Um, man, I'm just trying to help turn Sacramento upside down, like, spiritually, okay. yeah. business-wise, just every way possible like to make it one of the greatest I believe Sacramento is the greatest city on the planet I think it's I know it's the most important city on the planet mm. but I'm trying to make it the greatest city on the planet so yeah. like if that means like doing more stuff as far as with the youth doing more stuff with business owners like mm-hmm. I'm all for it so yeah yeah and um I like I like that you brought that up because I know a lot of people even young people right I work with a lot of college students too and they're really and I don't blame them right because of the access to information and just like uh, videos or things that just out there and it's good stuff right like you know making your own business or getting into real estate right mm-hmm. someone just told me earlier today like they want to like they're literally they just started school at Sac State and now they're like I don't know if school's for me I'm trying to get into real estate I can't knock them right at because all. because of the information that's out there yeah but at the same time this kid's like 18 years old mm-hmm. I don't what is your plan right like and this, it's going to change, right? A lot of times the things that we think about or the goals that we have, they change along the way. But what would you advise, maybe yourself, if you were an 18-year-old, knowing what you know now, if you had these big plans or ideas for uh, starting a business or you wanted to get into a nonprofit or something or, or create your own thing? I mean, honestly, I'm the wrong person to ask because like, <laughs> <laughs> I tell people candidly, if I never played football, I would have never stepped foot on a college campus. Gotcha. Like... I, I learned I'm telling you right now one thing I learned in school about business was definitions like that's it hmm. <laughs> they gave they gave us words with definitions in the book and that's all I learned like I learned more after I graduated by being in the business world than I did ever from being in a classroom yeah and um it's kind of like the theory of swimming it's like I can watch ten thousand hours of swimming on YouTube where I can get in the pool you know what I mean like which <laughs> yeah. one can teach me how to swim. I can learn about swimming, but I'm not going to know what to do until I'm in the pool. Just like driving, I can take the written test as many times as I want, pass mm-hmm. it. Until you're behind that wheel and you're moving 70, 80 miles an hour, you don't know how to drive. Right. So I feel like the best way to learn is by doing. And as far as business goes, you can't you can't teach someone how to run a business. It's mm-hmm. like you can give someone structure, but it's nothing like being in it. Like Think about this. I think 50 Cent said it. He was like, 
if these business on these business professors were so successful, why are they teaching the class? They could mm. be on an island somewhere drinking a mai tai with their feet kicked up. If they was that real, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you think about it, like yeah. you're literally teaching us something, and you're in here teaching, but you're not running a business, or you might be on the side, but it's like. How successful is it? When mm-hmm. you see somebody who's been, like like I say, 50 Cent from the hood, no college background, millionaire, mm-hmm. DECA millionaire. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, like I said, he's very special, but it's like whatever business you're doing, you should know how the ropes go. But like, like just like driving, you can pass the written test all you want to. You don't know how to drive until you get behind the wheel. And there's stuff that you only can learn from being behind the wheel. Right. So, yeah. Gotcha. Like I said, I, if I was to go back in time and I wasn't playing sports, I wouldn't have went to college. Mm-hmm. I would I would have... Uh, Got licensed with something, probably like, and I got licensed with insurance when I was like twenty four. Mm-hmm. I would have probably got it when I was eighteen or nineteen. I would have got a real estate license. Like I would have really just went in and just hustled. Yeah, because yeah, I mean you're young. You have a whole bunch of energy. You can, school's not going anywhere. They right. they want you to borrow money when you're fifty. Like go back <laughs> when you want to. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I would much rather you find out what you want to do and then go back to school later, and then. Um, then you just go and then feel like, oh, I'm in school. I'm on the right path. It's like mm. you don't know that right. until you see where the path goes. Until yeah. you see like 90% of graduates don't work in their major field. <laughs> then you're like, wait a second. What the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And um, I think I said this last time, but it's like you interview your future. If you want to be a doctor, go interview somebody who's been a doctor. And ask them like, hey, is this something that I should do? 20 years, 20 years ago, did you love what you were doing? Mm-hmm. Do you love it now? Like, you know what I mean? Find yeah. out what they did to get there and if it was worth it in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people don't do stuff for the love of it. They do it for the money. Yeah. So it's like some, a lot of young people are doing stuff for the money. For They're sure. like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. It's like, you really want to be a nurse? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Hospitals don't have holidays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so um, I, I, it's a good question that, that people should ask, like, yourself and kids. Is like, it's not what do you want to be when you grow up. It's mm-hmm. what problem do you want to solve? Because when you want to solve a problem, that's how all these kids are 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. like m- creating these million dollar mm-hmm. ideas because they're solving a problem. If you yeah. solve a problem, the world's going to just open up the bank to you. Yeah. But if you just want to get a job and make money, it's going to have its fist closed on you. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. That's great insight. Um, another thing that's coming up for you is, uh, or at least next year, right? The Your trip to Dubai. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How, so, talking about that, because I think this is your first time. Leaving, yeah, man, <laughs> the Inter- country, international seas. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um, my church is going to Dubai on a mission trip. Uh, they've gone on mission trips every year, like three or four, and I just ignore all of them. <laughs> and I saw Dubai, and I thought a uh, uh, Mission Impossible and uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I saw the buildings, though, and I was just like, huh, "That's a dope city." I'm yeah. like, "Whatever," I'm thinking nothing of it. And then, like, I started going. I was going to church. And then, like, a, a, a whole bunch of events string together where I'm like, okay, God, I, I hear you. It's mm-hmm. not like some random incident that this person's asking about Dubai the day of the meeting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're telling me what room number it is, what time it is. And I walk in there, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Caleb, you're going. I'm just like, I didn't plan on it, but now that I'm here. And even since I told everybody I was going on social media, like, people have been donating like crazy. And so, wow. um, and then God just confirmed stuff, like, he's going to grow me. And stretch me this whole entire process because yeah. it's some stretching and growing to do. Right. So I'm excited because, like I said, one is spreading the gospel. Um, it's going to a country where it's predominantly another religion, mm-hmm. but it's like they're hungry. So mm-hmm. it's like, who else is going to go? Right. So I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. Is that something you would have done like in the past? Well, I've always had this little um, soapbox moment about missions where it's like, People going to countries that aren't really dangerous, even mm-hmm. though every country is dangerous to a degree, but it's like, mm-hmm. like go somewhere where you might not make it back. 
You know what I mean? I mean, like that's that's yeah. some people. That's what yeah. long term uh, missionaries do. Right, right. Like, there's some people I know who you, you can't even say what country they're in when they come back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they've right. been there for five, ten years, and it's like it's real out there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm not saying like I'm like okay, God, like martyr me, but it's like nah, like we're called to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can die in America, mm-hmm. but it's like right. If you're sharing the gospel, it's like that's what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's it, you're sharing His love. So I'm excited about that because it's just something that I'm passionate about here and abroad. Yeah. So yeah, um, something kind of to end on the on on this note. Um, do you think a lot of people? Hmm, how do I want to say this? Why is it people that don't, why don't people count the cost more about certain sacrifices and not even talking about like church stuff or mission trip, but just in general, like they think they're about to get into something, but they don't really see the the big picture of what they're getting into. Because you wouldn't sell anything if that was the case. Like think about what people buy on TV. It's like, they don't tell you to find print. They talk heck of You know what I mean? Like if some, if everyone told you all the cost, your sales would probably go from like, you probably lose eighty percent of your sales. Hmm. They told you all the taxes included. Not, I'm, not, I'm talking about like I'm not talking about clothes. I'm talking about like big purchases. Right. You know what I mean? They told you you have to pay for this, that, this, that, this, that. And um, I feel like people don't count the cost for that. It's like even if you like if, if someone told you moving out of your parents' house, you can move out when you're eighteen. You go okay, great. But it's like you got to buy everything in the house, furniture, pay bills. If you want TV, you got to buy the TV, pay for cable, pay for internet. You know what I mean? Pay for a laptop. Pay for stuff to connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have lights in every room. You got to have vacuum. You got to clean it. You got to do all that stuff. You still got to wash your clothes, dry your clothes. It's like, do you still want to do that? Mm-hmm. Unless you hate your household, you're going to be like, nah, I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's really like counting the cost. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, That's why I said interview your future. Don't say you want to be a doctor if you never talk to a doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't say you want to be... Uh, an astronaut or athlete if you never talk to them about what they want to do you might hate working out mm-hmm. talking about I want to be an NBA player like really? <laughs> like, they're paid to work out every day and they're in great shape so it's like I feel like people don't talk about the cost enough because if you tell somebody what you had to do to get there they're going to be like man I'm good bro <laughs> some people are going to be like let's go sign me up you yeah. know what I mean and so I feel like when when the cost is talked about people have no problem paying it because the thing about it it lets you know where they stand at mm-hmm. if someone told you like if a girl was like, hey, Renato, or if I say, Renato, I got a girl for you, bro. She's fine. She's funny. But check it out. She got bipolar. <laughs> you know what I mean? She cross-eyed. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? But if, <laughs> but if you think about it, if, something, if I said, man, this girl, she's got to have a relationship. You know what I mean? She ain't trying to move too fast. But she's beautiful. And she just wants to like have a friend right now. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, okay, cool. Now you know where she stands. So you don't, you don't rush it with her. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, let me just be her friend, first of all. Because, I mean, you want to be friends first anyway. But it's like... You want to know the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So people say, you want to know the good news or the bad news? Mm. Okay, great. And if you don't tell me the bad news, when I find out, I'm mad at you, not the news. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, why didn't you tell me that? And that, we can move it back to Christianity is where like, <laughs> where Jesus was talking to the disciples. Like people always be like, oh, the 12, the 12. Like the 12 was what was left. It was like 80. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He said about two by two, 70. And then when he started talking to him about what it cost to follow him, 58 of them left. Mm. And it was on, and then it said the twelve that remained. He was like, "What y'all gonna do?" They said, "We left everything to follow you. Where we where, where we gonna go?" He said, "Okay, cool. Come on. You know what I mean." So like Jesus had no problem with retention. He Jesus had a terrible retention rate. You know what I mean? Horrible. But it multiplied once he was gone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like every time Jesus talked, people left. Every <laughs> single time. 
He's like, you gotta, you gotta die. Your mom's gonna hate you. Your dad's gonna hate you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, uh, if your eye sins, cut your eye out. If your hand sins, cut your hand off. It's like, nah, bro, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he healed ten lepers and nine left. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's gonna happen. But if you, mm-hmm. the longer you try to hide the truth, mm-hmm. the more resentment is gonna be there when somebody finds it out. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, why hide it? And the truth, I mean, it's a cost. Mm-hmm. It's like someone's like, man, I want to take this girl out, but I don't know if she know I don't got no car. She's going to find out anyway. Right. So it's like you might as well let her know up front. Hey, check it out. I'm I'm, I'm public transportation. What's up? <laughs> right. And she might be like, that's fine. Yeah. You're, in, you're in process. Or you might or you might try to hide it. And she'll be like, bro, you don't got no car. Why don't you tell her? Mm-hmm. Say, say the trouble. Right. It's a filter. The truth is a filter. The cost is a filter. Mm. You don't see people walking into a... Louis Vuitton store being like, hey, how much does this cost? You know you got to have some bands going in there. Right. You don't be like, what, they got $50 today? <laughs> a keychain? Right. Like, get out of here. No. But it's like, you, yeah. the cost is the cost. It's a filter. Somebody's yeah. not willing to pay like that, that price. They got to bounce. Right. All right, man. Final final note. As somebody that wants to flip Sacramento upside down, what's next for Sac? Man, what's next for Sac? Yeah. Or what would you like to see, man? What would you like to see this city of Sacramento I want to see Sacramento turn into a metropolis, mm. like straight up. Like I feel like it's a small city, small town feel, but it was too important to be a small town. Like I want to see more high rises downtown. I want to see more, um, more, more tourist attractions here because I feel like we deserve it. Like I feel like everything that goes on in this country is started by what goes on in Sacramento because we're the big, we're the most, we're the capital, the most important state in the country. Mm. So that's why I say it's the most important city in the world because it is. Whatever happens here changes the country which changes the world. Mm. So um, we have to start treating like that. People have to start loving on it, cleaning it up, yep. making it into like, you know what I mean, the dopest city on the planet because we already, we know that God's working here so it's like, why don't we go ahead and build these businesses up to make them turn up? That's what's up. Well, I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. That's it for the Lead Up Leadership Podcast. Catch you next time. Hey.